I thought Cheyenne had tricked me again, <laughs> and I had gotten up here too early, but uh, really enjoyed the worship this morning. Almost, almost don't need to preach. Um, my big idea this morning is take joy from God's work. And boy, we sang of God's work this morning, and we rejoiced in it. And so I was just so thankful for the worship this morning as we really dialed in to taking joy for God's work. But I'm still going to preach. So uh, we started this series back in August with 107 days to go until uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving, which is 1127. By the way, this week we are going to cover um, the rest of chapter 11 and then half of chapter 12. Next week, we will finish up the book by finishing up chapter 12. And then that Sunday, 1126, I will summarize the entire book of Ecclesiastes in one message. So like, okay, what should you walk away from Ecclesiastes with? What do you have to take home with you? I will attempt uh, to summarize it in one message, and then we'll have 1127 like We've been counting down because Ecclesiastes is kind of reminding us that we are not gods. We are mortal and we will die. So make the most of the days that you have. So here we are with 15 days until 1127. You are, uh, what was that? You are 92 days closer to eternity than when we started. There needs to be a measure of urgency as we listen to the message of Ecclesiastes and as we go about our lives. So my question for this week is, are you a happy person? This is a really important question. It's um, one of the questions that Cheyenne asks, uh, maybe I shouldn't tell you this, but like when the boys bring girls home, Cheyenne asks, are they a happy person? Because you want to be married to not a happy person. Would you want your kids married to not a happy person? Like, are they a happy person? Like, this is a big question. Are you a, are you a happy person? If you're not, like, how do you get to be a happy person? How do you get happier and more joyful as a person? The book of Ecclesiastes would insist that life is too short for fake joy. You know what I mean by fake joy? Maybe like a social media mask. Maybe like escapism, like pretending everything's okay when it's really, really not. Like lying to yourself or escaping from reality again and again and again habitually. Life is too short for fake joy. Life is so short, we have to insist on real joy. And real joy is produced, real Deep, eternal happiness is produced through gratitude. This is rejoicing in God's work, giving praise to God and receiving joy from his work. This is what the book of Ecclesiastes has been about. So here we go. Let's pray, and we'll jump into the text. Lord, I pray that we would leave this morning happier people, people that are deeply and eternally joyful, 
because we're so thankful for your work. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 7. Remember, we're talking about joy and giving thanks for God's work this morning. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. When I read that verse, I think of the joy and happiness, the gratitude, the overwhelming sense of thankfulness I feel every maybe late March when the sun finally comes out. I'm, you know, I run, I used to run at least, I don't anymore, but I used to run year-round and so I'd run through the worst parts of November. And by the way, November is sometimes the cruelest month to run in the wind and the rain where you're used to the warmth of the summer. And then December, and then January, and then February, and it's just so cold. And then finally, it's late March, and you can actually feel the warmth of the sun on your neck as you run. Like, it is just so glorious. And I just like, thank you. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Like, this is the key. Like, you, you, I want joy for you so badly this morning. I want you to leave more joyful than you came in. A determined joy. If a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. Their pain and darkness are coming. It may be talking about an old age. Pain and darkness come, or it may be talking about death. Pain and darkness come. All that comes is vanity. What's that word up there? Rejoice. Rejoice. Okay, so this is who this passage is to. This passage is to the young. This is an old man looking at young men and saying, Please learn from my wounds. Please. It will save you so much pain and it will cause you so much joy if you'll just learn from some of the stuff I've been through. Please, please, please learn from my mistakes. Please, please, please get this right. It will help you so much if you get this right. Rejoice, oh young man. <laughs> What's that? In your youth, like, please get this when you're young. Please, this will help you. Please get it when you're young. Rejoice, oh young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your, what do you think that says up there? Your youth. Like, please get this when you're young. Please. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. So do it. Go for it. You know what your heart wants to do? Go ahead and do it. What your eyes see to do? Go ahead and do it. Just know. Just know. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Just know there are guardrails. There are. Remove vexation from your heart. You're too young to live in frustration and anger. You're too young for that. And put away pain from your body. You're too young to hurt all the time. And your youth and the dawn of life are vanity. They're all going away so very quickly. Remember also your creator in the days of your... Okay, so... He's told them, remember, a couple times now. He really wants them to get this, especially when they're young. Now, the one thing that I'm going to tell you I want you to remember about God today is that he is our creator. So I'm going to come back to that in a little bit when we put the big idea up there, and I think it's 50-point font this week. It's going to be that God is a creator. Okay? So you're going to remember 
God is creator. Remember also your creator in the days of your, what do you think that is next? Youth. Youth, yeah. He wants them to get this when they're young. Like, remember, I don't know if you remember, I was interviewing David Peterson in the videos when we were setting up the book of Ecclesiastes for you. And David Peterson, the author of the book that we've been reading along with the series, he was saying that there was an old pastor in his church that was up preaching, and he's like, it's just not right. When we're old, we have all the wisdom, but we don't have any of the energy, and we can't do it. When we're old, we know what we should do, but our bodies just don't cooperate anymore. And David Peterson said, that's true, but it doesn't have to be true because you can learn from this when you're young. You actually can when you're young. This is an old man saying to young men, please, please, please get this. Remember also your creator in days of your youth. Okay, now here's the urgency. What's that word up there? Before, okay, if you don't have that circled in your Bible, you might go ahead and circle that. I'm a big fan of writing in your Bible. So if, you're, if, you're, if you can't bring yourself to do it, I understand being a neat freak. I'm a neat freak too, but you've got to get over it and write in your Bible so that, so that you can see where you've been. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. The days are coming when, listen, uh, I've been a pastor for quite a while now, um, coming up on 20 years, and I've gone to see a lot of people. Part of, part of being a pastor is going to see people in the old folks' homes, in the nursing homes. And so, like, like I talk, talked earlier about the first day of spring, like I, I just can remember very vividly going and sitting with people, lots, lots of different people, not just any one person, but lots of different people, go, uh, and it just happens to be the first really nice day of spring. So it's like, it's like early April, 72 degrees, perfectly sunny, no wind, like it's just stunning. And, and so I go, it just happens to be the day I go, I have myself scheduled to go see somebody in a nursing home, and I go in and I see them, and I'm like, it is so nice outside. You want to go sit outside? And almost always the answer is, nah. It's like, why? I'm like, how can you not want to sit outside? But the day is coming when you'll have, I have no pleasure in them. It's just not even desirable anymore. It's just not even something I want to do anymore. And he's saying, please learn this when you're young. Please, please max out your worship of God and your joy in him when you're young. Because the day is coming when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before, oh, there's that word again. That's the second time. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. There will come a time in your life where it seems like nothing but clouds and darkness and storms. Saying this is not so when you're young, in the days when the keepers of the house tremble. So now, now it looks like the word house here is like a metaphor for the body. And when you get old, you start to get the shakes. And so maybe think of this like metaphors for the body when the body starts to decline. So when strong men are bent, maybe that's talking about your back, 
Maybe that's talking about your legs when you can't stand up quite as straight as you used to and the grinders cease because they are few. What do you think that's talking about? <laughs> teeth, you know, your teeth start to fall out and you can't chew like you used to. Like The days are coming. And those who, listen, nothing wrong with people who struggle with their teeth though. Some of you know I've had some issues with my teeth. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. What are we talking about there? Probably talking about your eyesight, right? Your windows, your eyes. The days are coming when you're not going to be able to see as well as you used to. And the doors on the street are shut. Probably talking about your ears because when the sound of the grinding is low, day is coming when you're not going to be able to hear as well as you used to. And the one rises up at the sound of a bird. The day is coming when you're not going to sleep as well as you used to. The slightest thing is going to make you wake up in the middle of the night. It might even be a thing. You might just wake up in the middle of the night. The day is coming when it's really hard to get a full night of sleep. And all the daughters of the song are brought low, and they are afraid also of what is high, and the terrors are in the way. And so the day is coming when you will really be afraid of falling. No, it's not much of a thing when a two-year-old falls. No one goes, oh, no, the two-year-old fell. Like, two-year-olds are built to fall. Not, not a thing when a 13-year-old falls. Like, they're, they're still built for it, man. They bounce. Not a thing when a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old fall. But when you get old and you fall, it's a really, really scary thing. The days are coming when you're going to be afraid to fall. And the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along. I was running next to Asher at a cross-country meet. We were running from point to point to cheer on Caleb. And I'm running and I'm reminding myself of an aging elephant <laughs> next to a grasshopper just bouncing along as Asher runs. I'm like, man, this is not... I remember when I was a grasshopper, man. Sheesh. Days are coming when you have to drag yourself around. And desire fails. And just doesn't even sound good anymore. Okay, so he, he talked about how decline is coming. Now he's talking about how death is coming. Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, he's talking about death, or the golden bowl is broken, talking about death, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was. So this is a reference back to the creation story as God made man from the dust of the earth, and he's saying, God made you out of dust, and you will go back to dust. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. So the same word for spirit can also be translated breath. So as God breathed into man and he became a living being, it's like God breathed his wind into man and man began to breathe. And in the same way, God gave us spirit of life or our breath and it will return to him. The day is going to come when we're going to die. And our body will go back to the earth, and our spirit will go to him, and 
what we are here will be no more. And he sums it up by saying, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And this is where he began the book. Vanity of vanities, or going away quickly, going away quickly, says the preacher, all is going away quickly. All right, so what should we take from this? Like, what am I, what do you have to have from this? I think what you have to have from this is, remember what he said, like, Please remember this when you're young. I think the thing that he'd want you to have when you're young is that God is the creator and that God created all of it for our joy. I really think he'd want that to sink into young people's hearts that God created everything, everything for our joy. This is like the opposite of the lie that Satan told Eve in the garden. So remember, they're in the Garden of Eden. Everything is perfect. And even in the Garden of Eden, when we listen to Satan's voice, we can feel cheated and discontent. We're not thankful for all the good gifts that we have. We feel cheated for the one thing that we don't have. The Solution to that is remembering that God created all of it for our joy and being grateful for all the good gifts that God gave us and rejoicing in them as we encounter them, okay? So think about Christmas. I know it's Thanksgiving, and I'm going to talk a lot about Thanksgiving today. I already have, and we'll keep doing it, but think about Christmas just for a second. And think about Christmas gifts. What I've observed is that Christmas and giving of gifts is often, especially when there's a little kid there, it's like a contest to see who can give the, kid, the, give the gift to the kid that the kid likes the most. Now, it's an unspoken contest. No one will admit it's a contest, but it's quietly a contest where everyone's hoping that their gift is the one that the kid likes the most. I remember this when we had a family Christmas gathering at my aunt's house, and my mom and my grandma and my grandpa and my aunt went in and got the kids some, some presents, and, you know, they got some nice stuff. We had some nice stuff. My dad went to the dollar store and got his gifts that my, grand, you know, my mom and nobody else would even put their names on. Like, this is not from us. This is kind of embarrassing. And he got all the kids these little sticky hands, I think it was, like the kind that you, like, do this, and then the hand goes out and grabs something and comes. What gift do you think the kids played with on Christmas Day? <laughs> the cursed sticky hands, you know? Like, what is it? So here, here's the thing. My dad got so much joy from them enjoying his gift. God gets so much joy when we enjoy his gifts. God gets so much glory when we look up and say thank you for his gifts. God is for your joy because he is for your glory. I'm sorry. God is for your joy because he is for his glory. So when you enjoy his gifts, it brings him glory. So when you complain about his gifts, when you dishonor his gifts, when you're not thankful for his gifts, 
That's the opposite, isn't it? When you open a gift and you're like, oh, this is not, this is done, I never wanted. What does that say? I'm talking about you and I'm talking about me and I'm talking about how we exist. Our joy glorifies God. And so I think it's an old man looking at a young man saying, please see that God is for your joy, that he created everything for your joy, that your joy brings him glory. God is not for you being miserable. He's for you looking up and giving thanks. Please see that. So, from this passage, he would say, have a measure of urgency because you need to take joy in this before the inevitable decline. So take joy by giving thanks for God's gifts before the inevitable decline. Okay, so when you think of this, you might think of like, okay, what has he talked about in terms of giving thanks? Like, what would we give thanks for and take joy in from the book of Ecclesiastes so far? As we've worked through this, what would he tell us to give thanks for, take joy in so far? Well, we've seen again and again a couple categories. I want to look back and show you. So if you have your Bibles open, turn back with me to chapter 5. So in chapter 5, verse 18... We read, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life which God has given him, for this is his lot. Okay, so what did he start with? He started with, first, take joy, find enjoyment in the food and the drink that you have under, that you have, that God has given you because this is your lot. Look, I think, I think when we talk about decline, remember we talked about how all the different ways we're going to decline, hearing, sight, get unsteady, be afraid of falling. Remember we talked about that? He says, look, now is the time to enjoy eating. Maybe it's because you know, the day is going to come when you can't eat like you used to. You can't eat the same things you used to eat. Some of you love spicy food. The day might come when you can't eat spicy food the same way you used to eat spicy food. You can't eat the same amount you used to eat. The day might come when you, you don't even want to eat anymore. He's saying, when you're young, look up and say thank you. When you're young, find joy in God's gift of your daily bread. Don't be discontent and unsatisfied, and always complaining about how you don't have the right thing, or you don't have this, or you don't have that. It's a way to be miserable. The next category he talks about is your toil. Behold, I've seen what is fitting, this is 5.18, to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil. He talks a lot about toil, and toiling with all of our might, and we talked about how this is like the daily grind. So look, whether you're in middle school or grad school, what he'd tell you to do is put your head down, get your hands on, and work at this as hard as you can. And look up and say thank you as often as you can. Work hard for the glory of God and the good of the world, giving thanks the whole time, and this is what will bring you joy, whether you're in grad school or middle school. 
whether you're changing oil or changing diapers. Do it for the glory of God and do it as well as you can. Whether you're at the top of the org chart or the bottom of the org chart, do it as hard as you can and do it well. Do it for the glory of God and do it with a joyful heart. Look up and give thanks the whole time. This is, see these simple things, eating, working, these simple things that we do every day. This is, this is the key to joy, looking up and giving thanks while we do these simple things. The third category is in chapter 9, verse 9. He says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life because he has given you under the sun. Because this is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Like, give thanks for your spouse. Some of us, man, we can be so discontent with your spouse. So unsatisfied with your spouse. So many things wrong with your spouse. So many things you want to change about your spouse. I think he'd look at you, try to make eye contact and say, or you could be thankful. Or you could choose to love them. You know, they're, they're as young as they're ever going to be. They're as healthy, both of you, are as healthy as you're ever going to get. This is it. These are the good old days. These are the days you'll look back on and be like, remember when? That was so great. We were talking about this. Shane and I were talking about this with some friends, and we're like, we're just remembering when Cheyenne took Caleb and Titus grocery shopping before Ezra and Ash were born, and so we just, they were just two, two little kids, and Cheyenne would take them grocery shopping, and the cart would get too full to have them in it as well, and so they would be wrestling. They'd be, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, they'd be rolling down the aisle on top of each other, you know, like rolling like little bear cubs. And, and Cheyenne would be so exasperated with them because you just couldn't keep them apart. They just wrestled all the time. And, you know, now we look back on that as like the good old days. <laughs> but I told her, you know, she looks back at that with so much fondness. But I'm like, I never remember <laughs> you coming home from grocery shopping going, oh, it was so cute. But I think as an old man, he'd look at young people and go, they're only young once. This is your chance to enjoy them. Take joy before the decline. Take joy before death. Take joy before death. Remember, that's, that's really the thing. And, and it's kind of like, I'm just trying to put this in my own words, He's like describing us as a beautiful sandcastle, a glorious sandcastle that will return to the beach. You are dust, and you will return to dust. God gave you his spirit, and it will return to him. You're like a glorious sandcastle, but the wind and the rain, they're coming. And so what I think he's telling us is, is like trying to make eye contact with us, trying to look us in the eye, trying to tell us, trying to get our attention. It's hard to get young people's attention. Listen, I never would have believed any of this. I, I never believed I would have gray hair one day. I never would have believed that. 
I never would have thought of myself down here thinking about the jump onto the stage, thinking, my hamstrings are really tight. <laughs> It'll be super embarrassing if they snap when I jump up there this time. <laughs> never thought that would be me. Like, you can't get young people's attention long enough to have them believe this. But it's coming. I'm still, uh, listen, I'm 45, right? I'm 45. <laughs> I still don't really believe it. I'm still like telling myself this. So here's his point. His point is, focus more on grateful joy than you are on trying to gain. Because what are you going to gain as a sandcastle? What do you think you can really hold on to? You know, like, you're in the prime, you're in the prime of life, but the day is going to come, and the wind is going to come, and the rain is going to come, and you're going to go back to the beach. What do you think you can hold on to? What do you think you can gain in this life? So I think it's an old man looking at younger men, and as an old man, he's thinking about how he's going to lose everything, and it's all going to go away, and he's going to be forgotten. And he's telling them, that's going to be true for you too, so you might as well focus on grateful joy, on glorifying God with your grateful joy right now. That's what you should focus on right now. Because he's like, I've tried. I've tried gaining pleasure. I mean, I tried, and he did. I mean, he tried pleasure. And he's like, it always came up a little bit empty. I tried making myself immortal by building great buildings that would outlast, but I realized every building is going to fall into disrepair. I tried building beautiful gardens, and I realized every garden is going to go back to the weeds. I tried controlling life through wisdom, and I realized that I can't control life through wisdom, and that wise people and fools both die. So what can you gain? So focus on grateful joy rather than earthly gain. Number three. He says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The word vanity is used um, so many times throughout the book. And... uh, He just kind of comes back to it here in verse 8. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And and this is the way I described vanity on week one is like a match. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. In the beginning, it's lit, and then there's a flame for a while, and it burns for a while, and then it goes out in the same way our lives begin and there's a middle, and then there's an end. Our lives go quick. This is my friend, um, Paul, up on the screen. And Paul was a mountain climber. And I mean a legit mountain climber. And uh, like base camps, like climbing gear, like serious mountain climber. And boy, this, I am winning right now. <laughs> I kept thinking this thing would go out, and it's not going out. But, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> Paul was a mountain climber, and um, he, he, he lived life, man. He, he did a full marathon. 
Um, I mean, he did a full Ironman. So an Ironman is a two and a half mile swim, 112 mile bike, and um, 26 mile run. Like he did, he did a full Ironman. He wrote several books. A lot of people dream about writing a book. He did it. He wrote a couple of them. Got married, had four kids. He was a doer. And uh, um, I ended up doing his funeral um, shortly after we came here. He was 33 years old when he passed away. And I think he'd look at you from the other side and say, this is the time. This is your chance. Like, Do it now. The main thing he'd say you need to do is you need to receive Christ as your Savior. You need to do that. First, trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Receive the forgiveness of your sins. And then go and enjoy his gifts. Go and do it. Don't just talk about it. Don't just imagine it. Go and do it. The second thing that I learned from him, I don't know if this is what he'd tell you or not, but this is the thing that I learned from him, is when he's talking about mountains, he'd talk about, you know, it's a long ways up. And then you get to the top, and now the best part's over. I'm talking about life. You know that, right? Like, so, so you do this long climb up, base camps, ropes, the whole thing. You get up, you see the sights, you take the pictures, and now what happens? Now you got to come down. And on the way down, everybody is cold. Everybody's in pain. The, the, worst, the best part is behind you. Now it's just the boring stuff on the way down. You know, I'm, you know I'm talking about life? And he'd say, here's the rule. Mount, the rule for mountain climbing is there's no complaining on the way down because complaining makes things so much worse. Man, some of us might feel like We've been on top, and now we're just going to kind of coast downhill, and it's, and it's all downhill from here. That's kind of what we say sometimes. I'm all over the hill, and it's all downhill from here. I think he'd look us in the eyes and say, please don't complain. Complaining makes things so much worse. There is still time for grateful joy. And Man, we have resurrection hope. And God is not done when we're past our mountain climbing phase. So the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He writes this in chapter 4 because the Apostle Paul is writing about how he and his friends had been suffering, really suffering for the gospel. And he writes, So we do not lose heart. For though our outer self is wasting away. Hey, does that sound familiar to anybody? Though there is decline. Though our outer self is wasting away. It's happening. It's real. Does he say, well, now is the time to give up and just complain for the rest of our lives. Now is the time to become a grumpy old man. Is that what he says? 
Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Decline may be inevitable, but growth is still possible. You can still grow. You can still bear more of the fruits in the Spirit. You can still get stronger spiritually as you get weaker physically. Though death is coming, we have resurrection hope. Death is not the end of the story. Though life goes quick, if you're in Christ, you've already started on eternal life, which will go on forever. So look, I I hope you will take joy in your salvation. And I hope you'll rejoice in God's work. I hope you'll find joy in God's work. In his creation, as you work and as you enjoy your meals, and as you go through life, that you'll look up and say thank you. In your salvation, as you thank him for saving you from your sins. And in your sanctification, as you become more and more like Christ. And as you look forward to when he returns and makes all things new. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for meeting us in your word. And Lord, I pray that you would Help us surrender our complaints to you and live in deep, grateful joy because of your work. In Jesus' name, amen.